Reconstructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Mighty Lord, extend your kingdom, be the truth with Good afternoon and welcome to the War Room. I'm your host, Bill Evans. Today, Ruger and I are up here in Corn Country in uh, central Illinois. We just left Chicago a few hours ago en route to Orlando, Florida. And we've get, we're powered down here like Apollo 13. And uh, we've got Jerry Lynn Ward, who I, I told her I was going to introduce her as my feisty Texas attorney friend. And uh, maybe some of you know Jerry from Facebook, predominantly how I've met her and through common associations. I've never had to deal with her in a court of law. Uh, I don't think I'd want to. She's a Texas native, and uh, we're going to let her introduce herself, and then we're just going to take it there in typical, unedited, uh, real-time, war room fashion. Jerry? Lynn Ward, welcome to the War Room. Thank you. You know, we've had one lady so far, Andrea Schwartz, uh, who writes for Calcedon on, and um, I I hear mumblings and grumblings from the from the wings that we probably don't give enough attention um, to our sisters, who, in many cases, we might be surprised, have different perspectives on some things than we do. And, and and then sometimes they don't. Uh, and Jerry, let's start out here by just, uh, uh, for those who don't know you personally, tell our War Room listeners why they should know you personally. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you, you don't have to go into the bloody details of your, uh, of uh, the time, you know, Jerry Lynn Ward, B.C., but you can if you want to. And tell us how you, A, came to Christ and how you, then you're, how you transitioned from garden variety evangelical to Christian Reconstructionist. And then tell us about your legal career, because I think most people would be surprised that you're not the typical attorney at law. So, Jerry, you've got the uh, mic. Well, I actually did not have a migration for, from evangelical to Christian Reconstructionism. I started at Christian Reconstructionism. I mean, when when I was a, a kid, I went to the Presbyterian Church, so I w- it was always Reformed churches uh, for most of my life. And then I had a long hiatus where I didn't go to church and w- did not consider myself a Christian, but came back through the reading of First Francis Schaeffer, which led me to R.J. Rushdoony, and that that led me to conversion. Okay. Uh, was it a, a, you think it was a, a first conversion or a reawakening? It, it may have been a reawakening, but I stopped going to church after I graduated from high school uh, and took a trip to, through had, had a tour of the Holy Land with a group and came back totally disillusioned and angry and rebellious. So perhaps it was a reawakening, but I 
at that time I did not really have a full understanding. So it may possibly also be a full conversion. Okay. Now you reside in central Texas and you, and you practice law. Tell us about your, your legal career. And uh, would you, what would we call that? Uh, A militant legal career? You probably had, you've probably worn several hats. Uh, Well, yeah, I started out when I was in law school uh, clerking as a law student on a third-year practice card in uh, the district attorney's office in Lubbock, Texas, where I was going to law school, and then was an assistant district attorney for a short period, and then from there uh, went into civil law primarily defending against toxic torts, tort litigation in uh, Beaumont until finally I came to Austin, Texas, where I did both, I, I did uh, plans, personal injury and insurance defense for years and years until 1998, where I started doing some administrative law, helping healthcare providers in regulatory actions that the, the state or federal government takes against them, which is mainly what I'm doing right now, although I also now in my my old age have taken on some, uh, a couple, three civil rights cases. Okay. So as an, as a, uh, are you, are attorneys considered officers of the court? Yes, we are. Okay. As an officer of the court, and I presume you've been now. Do you are you dealing with? Is it ever on a federal level? Is it state level, county levels, uh, municipal? How does that work? Well, I state level and state district court, uh, federal court, and in a, before administrative agencies here in the state of Texas and uh, at the federal level. Now, one thing you should know about. Uh, counselor ward is that she does not like girly men (laughs) (laughs) and uh and 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 lest you think that all attorneys are um in lockstep with the system jerry lynn is i think well and i don't know if you're the only exception i'm probably john whitehead and yourself would you'd be considered in the same arena although you may be, because of your influence, having had been influenced by Rush Denny, perhaps more than, than Whitehead, although I suspect he probably is quite familiar with, with Rush Denny. You, uh, how, how do you fall down, how do you fall in on the whole Blue Lives Matter? Let's get you going here. We'll get try to see if we can get your pulse up. Um, uh, how, how, where do you fall in on the whole Blue Lives Matter issue and, 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 and uh, the seem like nonstop examples of, um, well, I think we can call it police brutality. We're not censored here. But, but um, tell us your view of, of government from somebody inside government and, uh, and, and what you think are, are some of the, the primary issues that people who have not awakened to your position, which I think, by the way, is the correct position, what are some things they need to consider? Give, give, 
give our War Room listeners a wake-up call via a dose of reality? Well, on the Blue Lives uh, Matter, I, I take issue with a lot of that because I am for justice, justice for all persons, biblical justice, and I'm not for favoring any particular group. And the thing about the police is that they get all sorts of extra rights. They get immunities. They get deference. And I am not on board with the Blue Lives Matter at all, except for the fact that I don't think that anyone has the right to murder them any more than they have the right to murder anybody else. They, they also have great authority, and the Bible says that the greater the authority, the greater the responsibility. And that's how I think it should be when we're looking at their actions, that they should be held to a higher standard because they are professionally trained in weaponry and in use of force. And The way they, they shoot, you wouldn't know that. Yeah, I know. They're supposed to be ministers of justice, and they are not. They're, right now, I think a goodly number of them are no better than Eli's sons. Yeah, I would, I would say most of them are—I I consider the police, by and large, to be nothing but one of the best organized, best armed gangs in America. And, and again, it's like the public school system. You know, there are good people in the public school system. That doesn't that doesn't mean that the public school system is is legitimate. In the same way, there are undoubtedly some good family men who love God and and uh, uh, help their neighbor um, in, within the police system. But that doesn't make the system legitimate. Yeah, the system to me is illegitimate. I don't think that there sh- we should have a a professional policing entity that goes out and patrols and looks for trouble. I think that if we're going to have any kind of, of organization, they should be called when they're needed. Right now, when you when you try to call them when you need them, their response times are abysmal. Well, the other thing is, too, is that our, our, um, our society has been basically programmed or dumbed down that, you know, if your neighbor's dog is barking or you hear a spat between spouses in the house next door or the apartment next door, you call 911, and naturally they arrive with and and exercise great tact and restraint, don't they? Uh, No, actually, I think that calling 911 is a great danger to yourself and to your family and to the persons whom you're calling it on. Uh, a lot of the the shootings that go on take place because someone called 911. Uh, and, and a lot of those calls have to do with someone who's lawfully carrying a gun or someone who's carrying a BB gun throughout through a store that they're planning on buying. There's a situation where a young man was about to buy a BB gun, was carrying it through the store, and the cops came in and shot him dead because somebody called 911 and gave false information. But even when they don't give uh, purposely give false information, we have an example of that sort of thing just in the last few days where some bystander called and claimed that a guy was out in the street who was suicidal and had a gun when all he had was a toy truck. Yeah, an autistic man. And then, of course, the new uh, 
the new police commissioner, police captain, uh, attempt to cover up their actions or, uh, is that uh, the shots that were fired, three of which missed, that were fired, supposedly were fired at the autistic man to protect his caretaker from him and hit the caretaker who was laying on the street. That must have been painful anyway with that hot summer sun. With his hands in the air saying, please don't shoot. And they and they did precisely that. And then when asked, why did you shoot me? He said, I don't know. That's, um, and, and, and you know, it, it, it makes you wonder, uh, what is the tipping point? What is the event that, uh, that awakens someone from their fatal sleep state, walking sleep state, like the zombie nation? Uh, have you ever had a chance to argue successfully in court without being ruled out of order or found in contempt? Uh, that might be another question. Have you ever been found in contempt of court? And, and, and my guess would be yes, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, have you ever been able to successfully argue a case or make a point that you were making from the perspective of biblical law and have it upheld? No, I've never had an opportunity to do that. I, I did have an opportunity back in 2008, I think it was, or 2007, when the state of Texas took f over 400 FLDS kids from the ranch out in West Texas. I ended up uh, representing one of the fathers and going to court dur during one of the status hearings where it was quite appalling because during those hearings you're supposed to uh, determine whether or not the, the kids should continue in custody of CPS. And I uh, w argued that they had no specific evidence as to my client's kids being abused. And even though the judge acknowledged that, he still kept them. And I kept arguing. And of course, this was a good judge uh, who was very gentle. He gently reminded me that when he said shut up, I was supposed to shut up. <laughs> but th that's, I guess, the closest I've ever come. But I, I, that particular situation was so distressful to me that, so distressing to me that it, it, it was very difficult to hold my peace because it was such an unfair abuse of power by the state of Texas. Uh my, I'm sort of in experiencing a free flow of consciousness here, so my questions won't always be uh, logically consecutive. But is there, other than the police department, which I know that right off the bat when we say that police men are not necessarily evil, but we can say categorically police departments as they as they're presently constituted. Now I always throw that in as a disclaimer as they are presently constituted, even if in the past or there are some circumstances where they, they're the right, you know, do you need highway patrolmen to, to respond to, a, a, you know, critical accident on the highway? Yes. But that could be, that's a very different reaction, a very different role than, a, you know, a member of a SWAT team uh, forcefully entering a house with sleeping people with a no-knock warrant. I mean, there's, you can't even compare the two. One is more akin to an EMT or a firefighter or a first responder in, a, in an accident where someone is, car is in, a, is in a ditch and they're drowning people. Of course, we know that when 
three girls are in a drowning uh, in a in a submerged car drowning the police stand there on the side and 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 basically do nothing and then later they they report that they did all they could and when which in fact and they really all they did was listen to those three girls drown i believe it was in florida wasn't it I think so. I think it was in Florida. I remember that particular. But instance. I mean, but I mean, we. I've long since lost count, and uh, and I'm sure you have, and you, you're on this stuff like a duck on a dough ball, uh, when as far as posting and responding, and 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 of course, um, we're our anger when we're angered, and sometimes you know I have blood literally shooting out of my eyeballs. Uh, not to not to give any credit to Glenn Beck, but. When I read these, when I read these posts, and I can't type what I'm feeling, and you know, uh, and and I'm sure you feel the same way, and and yet, um, and we and we and we feel vindicated when we're angry because when we're when we read a news, we read a, a report of an abuse, or one of these horrendous police uh, um, usurpations of of authority, just acting like you know rank bullies and murderous bullies at that. When we read these, and we and we and our and our emotional reaction is is one of anger and outrage, that makes us feel good in a way. And in fact, I think a lot of people, I think many of us, thrive on that anger. We go from one anger episode to the other, because in in a, in a sick sort of way, um, that that sort of affirms that we judge things rightly that any right thinking person should be outraged at this and of course we're and the only thing that makes us more angry than the story is when other christians uh take the cop side and begin to try to defend the the actions of these of these uh criminals i'm I'm talking about the police but when we when we feel when we have that outrage we feel affirmed because that says well we must be we must be operating from the right point of view because we're angry at the right things. The problem is, is that the anger never seems to cease because the outrages never cease. Every day, if if, if there was a clearinghouse, whether it be Free Thought Project or Cop Watch or whatever, if all of these things were were basically linked end to end, I think they would reach the sun. Uh, it would. It, there's no end to these things. Virtually every day. Now the question, how is is Jerry, what are your thoughts? Because you're a a, a, um, a professional who sees this, who has a, a special place right there on the field. You 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 live it up close and personal, and you're sensitive to this because of your role in the courts. What are Christians to do? What are believers to do when, in terms of addressing this? What is the proper, from your perspective? Because we want to be tactical. We don't want to just be angry. Uh, you know, Saul was angry, and he once, when he was plowing, and hacked up his oxen and sent those pieces off and said, this is what's going to happen to the oxen of anyone who does not join me, and they went off and rescued the Israelites. Uh, they, they, they turned out as one man. He said the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and, and, they, and, and, and he burned with anger, and they turned out as one man. What are we to do? What is, a, what is have you thought through, or can you maybe... Uh, Give us some your thoughts on what is the the response first of all of individuals Christians when you come upon a scene and you're actually witnessing a scene of this abuse. Let's say it's being you know a, a Rodney King type incident, and there have been worse ones since Rodney King, incidentally. Um, 
for individual Christians, should you happen to find yourself in in proximity to this, you're witnessing this kind of spectacle, this crime taking place. Or what should be the response? And I don't just mean more anger and outrage or denunciation of the police from the pulpit. But what what do you propose would well, be a response for the for the body of Christ? Well. I- the reason I post like I do is because I have lots of conservative friends on my friends list because I am a Republican precinct chair, and I post to educate them because too many of them, frankly, worship cops, which is very disconcerting to me because when conservatives look at governmental entities like the post office and the VA— they see all the incompetence in there. And that's not to say that individual postal workers are bad or individual workers in VA hospitals are bad, but they see the perverse incentives that exist in governmental entities like that. And they react accordingly to those to the terrible incidents that happen in the VA hospitals and to the incompetence of the post office like the stories that used to happen where the postal workers would go burn mail because they didn't have time to deliver it or they didn't think they had time to deliver it. I don't know why they give a pass to the police, which they're unionized. And in general, I would say in most places, they're not even Republican. They might be to a greater extent in Texas, but I, I would think that in most of the United States that, that they are not necessarily Republicans. So I'm trying to educate my conservative friends because until we get the conservative law and order types to recognize this, we're not going to make any headway. They enable this governmental entity to do the things that they do by their silence and by their acquiescence and by their worship of them and by their lack of acknowledgement that to a governmental entity like that, everyone else's lives do not matter compared to their own agents' lives. But when it comes to the governmental entity itself, even their own employees' lives, the police don't matter as much as the credibility of the entity. Uh, if, If the government really valued its own individual police officers, they wouldn't be passing all these laws like the, the that have to do with the war on drugs, on stopping everyone for the most petty things and to, to fund municipalities, because every encounter like that does potentially place the police officers uh, in physical danger. So basically, they the conservatives are worshiping, in my opinion, a governmental entity over God's law. Now, I think Bojidar Marinoff does an excellent job of putting all this kind of behavior in the perspective of how it would look under God's law and what punishment there would be under God's law. So we need to have more of that. But also, I like what has been suggested by Paul Doerr in the past, which is that we need to start looking at their budgets. We need to start looking at the budgets of the police departments. Because in general, I think they are grossly overfunded and that the way that they marshal their resources and implement their resources is not in the interest of the public. You know, I think most people would be surprised uh, while we're just a little segue here is that, number one, 
police are not even in the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America by all studies. Secondly, I think most people would be surprised to know that cops make six figures in many cases. Now, obviously, that's not necessarily true for Barney Fife and, you know, wide spot U.S. in the road USA, deputy sheriff. But in some major municipalities, uh, police officers, you know, certainly after they make some rank, uh, can can easily be in the six-figure year income range. And uh, and so when you've got that kind of uh, remuneration, you get that kind of compensation available to them either by direct payment or through control of vice. And, Jerry, I'm sure you can speak to that fact, well, living in, in, in the state capital, that oftentimes the, 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 the vice, not petty crime, but the vice within a, a major city is controlled, in effect, by the police department they uh, they they run they act like the mafia they 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 operate like the mafia is that would that be a fair statement well i if anybody if you've read jack mclam's uh books then you will see that yes uh the narcotics divisions are extremely powerful and they they do all their officers have to do all sorts of unethical things to implement their jobs and if you look at most uh, police big police departments they're the ones that get the promotions and they're the ones that can be blackmailed up the line so yeah i think there there's a in in these in vice and narcotics i think you see a lot of corruption uh, for one thing the money uh, the potential for making money on the side is is much greater than it is in any other police division if if any of those other police uh, divisions have any opportunity to benefit from corruption at all so yeah there is a lot of corruption but more also with regard to how high wages they make you have to look at the the unionization of these police forces and the power that they exert uh, through their unions and that was quite evidence evident with the mayor of new york when the, when all those uh, police organized themselves so that when he spoke, they all turned their back on him. And if you look at if you look at uh, the media, if you look online, you'll see lots of examples where city councilmen and and mayors attempted to fight uh, increases in budgets for police and ended up being retaliated against, being pulled over and wrongfully charged. Uh, there was a mayor in one city where. Uh, it was found out that that the, the police threw a marijuana plant over her fence and then came and busted her for it. So they've got all sorts of ways to uh, to coerce th- these city councils, these mayors, these governmental entities that make salary decisions into giving them what they want. So it, in effect, it basically makes the police departments and vis-a-vis their unions, a Praetorian guard. Uh, exactly. But not only that, I remember reading a few years ago where there was a construction company that stopped using police to direct traffic because they were so expensive and started using uh, just regular workers to to give, you know do the stop and go and all that sort of thing uh, on their construction sites, and the cops started busting those workers for... Uh, fake violations for violations that didn't even happen and they harassed him so much that in order to to get their job their jobs back for the moonlighting officers when they've got that kind of power 
we're in trouble. And well, they are they do have that kind of power. Uh, oh, so so we know that 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 city government officials bow to the power of the police unions. We know that um, if you're stopped, um, you know, for anything on the highway by any law enforcement officer of any agency whatsoever, state, local, federal, that you are, you, you know, you're yes, sir, no, sir, uh, kissing butt, the whole, I mean, you're basically just wanting to get away. From, if you're aware, you're, you're just trying, you just want to get, make it through that encounter alive. You want to make it through that encounter without being in handcuffs or tased or worse. Now, this is my question, uh, Jerry Lynn, is you as an attorney, have you, how do you handle uh, your encounters with the police outside of the courtroom? Have you had any of those? Uh, not really, because I've only been stopped for traffic tickets probably in my my many years of driving, only a handful of times. Uh, but I do know some police chiefs, uh, like in, in Lakeway where my office is, uh, they have a great police chief. I was on a leadership uh, – uh, we have Lake Travis – or Lake – uh, Travis Chamber Leadership Group uh, a few years ago, and I was in that group with him, and I did have some differences of opinion about him about uh, escalation of force and use of force, but he's a pretty good guy, and uh, my uh, impression of him has been that he's very cordial and tries to be very uh, fair, and in fact, he complained to me one day in the pet food store that he was having trouble with some city council members who wanted him to set ticket quotas, and he was fighting that. So I, I've had some good experiences with police. I did have one bad, kind of bad experience in 2008 uh, with the crazy precinct uh, conventions uh, with Obama. Uh, the, the Democrats were – there was a big split between them because of the Hillary versus Obama and their precinct conventions were crazy, and uh, our Republican precinct convention and the Democratic precinct uh, convention were at the Sheriff's Department in different rooms, and the there were so many Democrats, they were parking all over the place, and there was a, a deputy out there yelling that he was going to have cars towed, so I went up to him and said, before you tow any cars, will you please come in, in, to, uh, in there and, and tell us? And he kind of went off. <laughs> and the people that were waiting for me, because I was the precinct chair, uh, I was going to chair the convention, uh, people thought he was going to tase me or something. <laughs> and I was being totally polite, but he was like off his rocker. So back to our earlier question, uh, what, what do you recommend if you're, if you're coaching individual Christians uh, how to respond um, um, in, in encounters with the police. I guess it's one thing if you're on the road in daylight, and another thing if you're on the road at night, and another thing if you're living in an apartment in a bad part of town, and another if they come to your door and you live in an affluent part of town during the daytime. I'm sure, I'm sure there are all kinds of mitigating circumstances, and it depends on the the, the temperament and the, uh, the level of narcotics in the blood of whichever cop is the one, you know, sent to dispatch to, to, to deal with you. But 
what are individual Christians, what is our, what's the proper response and what should the church, now you mentioned Paul Doerr and, and the idea of, you know, hit them where it hurts, hit them in the wallet. Um, cops, can cops be sued civilly if they, uh, you know, break somebody's arm or tase someone and that person sustains brain damage as it recently happened in Kansas City? Uh, and let's say a police investigation exonerates that individual, which they usually do. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Wisconsin, I thought, and I'm, I, presumably there are other states that have laws on the books that police departments cannot investigate themselves, that they have to. it has to be kicked up to the next level of governments. But I'm not sure if that's followed. And I can't remember the last time, if any, I've ever seen a police officer charged with the crime he actually committed instead if they get charged at all and and sometimes on a rare occasion they do they are sentenced to some sort of incarceration which is also not the biblical response to crime but it's always for a lesser greatly reduced plea bargain plea bargain downed offense you know uh, instead of aggregated assault with a deadly weapon or attempted manslaughter it would be simple assault or something like that and they do their you know they get their pat on the wrist or their paid vacation but what what i'm rambling here because of the heat well i'll try i'll try try to answer your question first of all individual officers can be sued in civil rights cases in fact it's easier to sue them because you have to uh, prove a pattern and a policy on the part of the uh, governmental entity that they work for but officers do have qualified immunity, so most of the time when you file one of these lawsuits, the attorney has to undergo a whole gauntlet of motions to dismiss, uh, dispositive motions, uh, asserting uh, qualified immunity. And there's a whole body of case law about that, about excessive use of force and that sort of thing. So they, they, they can be sued, and it's easier to sustain a lawsuit against them than it is like a county or a municipality. Uh, as far as what Christians should do, of course, if you're if you're on the road and you're stopped, you need to remain polite and you need to just be aware of the danger that you're in. I have a dash cam uh, or dash camera that I keep going in my car, uh, and I got that idea because uh, in the, I read that in the Soviet Union, every driver there has a dash cam because the Russian police are so bad about pulling people over for bogus reasons. So I have that, and if I do get stopped, that dash cam is going to be turned towards them, and I won't be holding it in my hand because holding something in, in your hand seems to be a good way to get shot these days. But I advise being polite to the officer and and calm. Like the lady in the, the uh, recent uh, Flandreau Castile uh, video was very calm when after her uh, fiance was shot because she knew of the da- that the danger uh, was present because the officer was so hyped up. So I recommend being very calm, uh, but I recommend that Christians educate themselves about this and that they start organizing and letting especially in smaller areas, they can let their law enforcement know that there are some things that are not going to be tolerated. 
this is where the church comes in. The church really needs to get active in the, this area. And I'm not talking about going out and uh, necessarily and marching and saying no peace, uh, no justice, no peace. I, I really kind of hate that slogan myself. But it, it needs to be not necessarily protesting, just building something from the ground up, so, some uh, authority, some influence from the ground up, letting your local law enforcement know that you're not going to tolerate cer certain things. That, that's a hard road to hoe because so many people just want to give them carte blanche. If you go to Chamber of Commerce uh, meetings in some areas, the, the police are always there as honored guests. It's, it's really very hard to, to set expectations for your civil magistrates and to address them until you get people on board with the idea that, that we should set, that we should have input into their use of force continuums and into how they do their job. You know, um, I think everybody would like to know the magic words. You know, it's like uh, with a, when you have a dog, it's like sick them or stop, and, they, and they're trained to respond to a command. And I'm sure if there was such a thing with law enforcement, and I use the term loosely, uh, that, that you had the proper phraseology or just the proper um, uh, statute or code or law or amendment or ruling that would basically disarm or dissuade that law enforcement but in effect don't they pretty much individual cops on the street when they're out engaging in the public uh, do they pretty much make it up as they go along or to what what level i mean i've heard we've all heard rumors that well yeah there's uh, they only hire people with two digit iqs Are they uh, you know but uh, and people who have demonstrated certain personality traits that make them particularly susceptible and responsive to commands especially commands that they get to abuse people because they're they're sadistic or something by their very personality but are there any is there any site that i guess there is no silver bullet you can't you know whether you're stopped in, in a lawful open carrying situation or whether you are now i've taught my way I, i've not taught my way out of tickets but i've beaten tickets myself by 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 the way i filed my my report to the to the court but uh as, as a truck driver and i've also survived up close and personal encounters with government agents with atf fbi both and 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 lived to tell about it of course that was a, a, a lot of grace and me being firm but respectful and knowing what i was talking about but it could have gone another way i just happened by the providence of god i happened to get a couple of men that I was dealing with that, that, that had principle. They were principled men, and they I think they, they were able to evaluate the threat quick enough to realize that I was not a threat to them, even though I was heavily armed um, at the time. In fact, I was more heavily armed than they were, and yet I lived to tell about it. That's another, that's another War Room podcast. <clears throat> but uh, is, there, is, there a magic, is there a magic formula? And one thing I wanted to say earlier is, Geraldine, you got to know this as a Christian Reconstructionist, is that the slavish devotion, we call it Stockholm Syndrome, our, our uh, obeisance to authority in the, in the 
501c3 or institutional church community in America, is I mean, Bo would say that's idolatry. And in fact, it is it is statism um, being just played out. That statism being the predominant religion of America. It maybe maybe I'm overstating it. What do you think? No, it is. Look where most people are sending their kids to public schools. And as Gary North said, that's their new church. It's the public schools. They they structure their entire social life around those, and it's it's like the pub the new public square the new church uh that that they go to and uh you know there there is no magic word uh and i recommend that everybody watch the two youtube videos uh, uh never talk to the police and i think that's got some good advice about how how to handle officers uh but there are no magic words and as far as your your situation with uh, tickets, you're, you're highly motivated because you drive for a, a living. Most people are not highly motivated to go fight tickets because th- they would have to spend time away from their families and their work to learn how to do it. Yeah, I had a motive. And, I had a motive yeah, protecting yeah, my commercial driver's license. Exactly. So most people just aren't in a position where they feel they, they can go do the research involved to, to fight these things. And I, I know I have personal friends here in Austin that have a little cottage industry with how to fight these traffic tickets, all these motions that you file in court and all that, that kind of thing that lawyers could never do because we would get disbarred. But And the problem I have with all that is, is that a good use of, of time and resources? But if you are stopped by a police, you need to remain calm polite, respectful, and just try to get through it. And then you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to fight anything. But that, to me, that just depends on the resources you have at hand. My biggest concern is for all the, the poor people who get stopped time after time, can't pay the fines, get failures to appear, and get in a vicious cycle. And I think Christians should start looking at how to help them. Uh, there was a young man going to uh, the church that I started going to a, a couple years ago who had that problem, who had turned his life around, but he still had these outstanding uh, matters uh, with uh, traffic tickets and that sort of thing that he hadn't been able to over overcome, uh, and that would have t- taken a lot of unwinding to do that could have at any minute landed him in jail had he sped, you know, done some speeding or uh, committed a traffic offense that got him pulled over, and we need to start looking at that and how the poor are the yoke that is being the oppressive yoke that's being put on the the poor with this sort of behavior. And I think that everyone should go look at the Arch City Defenders white paper that's online. It came out just simultaneously with what happened with Michael Brown and Ferguson, because that whole Ferguson explosion was not just about Michael Brown. It was about a municipality that made the big bulk of its money off the backs of not people, not ghetto people, but working class black people in that community. Right. I'm familiar. I'm well familiar with Ferguson, Missouri. Yeah. That's a, that's a totally oppressive situation and it's everywhere. One of the things I see almost, I see almost on a daily basis, not all, and not every day, but that is a uh, 
vehicles being stopped on the side of the road and searched, which we would both say is a violation of the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, except that the, you know, the, they could say, well, we're not under that. And they have their own various different uh, codes and, and, and bypasses and shortcuts and uh, around that. But another thing that, that you could probably speak to, and of course, this is an abuse. And what's amazing to me is what the, the large percentage of Americans, when you say civil asset forfeiture, they don't know what you're talking about. And I'm sure that's something that's on your radar because typically this this goes awry. People are, are, are have cars taken, uh, personal property taken, their rights violated, uh, left stranded on the side of the road, charged with possession of a minuscule amount of something and our paraphernalia and because of that these municipalities have given themselves free and i guess presumably through their county commissioners city councils state governments whatever that have basically allowed uh, law enforcement agencies to engage in what can't be called anything other than rank and file highway robbery we had a situation like that a few years ago here in texas a town near the Louisiana border uh, that was stopping black and, and Hispanic families and telling them that they had to sign consents to have their car and all their assets taken or they would do such things as arrest them or take their children. And uh, the DA and some of the police enforcement ended up in, uh, pro indicted and prosecuted and convicted and put in prison for that. But that's not the only town that, that does that sort of thing, but it's not only for traffic offenses because I represent doctors, and although I don't represent them in criminal matters, I'm aware of many who, when they're, when they're accused of Medicare or Medicaid fraud, end up having all their assets taken so that they can't even afford to pay for a lawyer. In fact, Martin Selbridi at Calcedon has, over the past two years, written article after article about a particular doctor that that happened to, uh, who, in my opinion and in Martin's opinion, was wrongfully convicted. But one reason that they were able to convict him is they took all his money and allowed him nothing to defend himself. And he was at the mercy of either pro bono lawyers or, or appointed lawyers. And the problem is that fighting criminal cases, especially in federal court where a lot of these are, is debilitating and draining to a lawyer who's not getting paid because they take so much time. A, a lawyer can, can go bankrupt doing that. So uh, it's, a, it's a perfect storm for defendants who have their assets taken. Same thing at the, the uh, district court level. Same thing for people who have their cars and assets taken uh, in situations like what you're talking about, because then they have to go pay an attorney to get those assets back. And sometimes the the attorney is going to end up costing more than the assets that, that are taken. Yeah, America is, um, I always want to throw up when I hear land of the free and home of the brave. I say land of the sheep and home of the slave. Well, um, that's, one th that's one thing. You, uh, uh, you were talking about authority about the Christian's uh, being so obsequious to authority, that's because they have not been given the tools to discern between lawful authority and lawlessness on the part of state agents. And so bad that many of them think that any order 
that a police officer gives you is a lawful order. There was a prosecutor in a different state than where, somewhere up north who actually argued in an appellate, before an appellate court that if a woman was being raped by a police officer, she had no right to physically defend herself from that right, from that rape. Yeah. So that, and that's a, an exercise of lawlessness on the part of the police. And anyone who thinks that they have to bow before lawlessness and that mistake that for authority is very miseducated and misinformed, but we don't have the tools to teach our people what lawful authority is. And that's what Christian Reconstruction has been so valuable to me, reading the writers in that area and and how to discern what lawful authority really is. Well, let me assure everybody who's listening in who may have jumped in the middle of this, this is not anarchist radio. In fact, uh, we both, I'll I'll tell you what I told the uh, ATF when they asked me, was I anti-government? I said government was ordained by God for one reason, because man is sinful and and uh, in in their role in that in that in that in response to that condition of man is to punish evil, the evildoer, and protect the innocent according to the law. Now, as servants of God, whose law are they presumed to be responsible to enforce? They take their oath of office on the Word of God. That presupposes that the Word of God is the foundation of all law and justice. And uh, I said, no, I'm not against government, but when government doesn't uphold the law of God, but instead thinks they are God, then they become the enemy of God, and God's enemies are my enemies. So you want to be on good terms with me? Don't presume to be God. You know, but um, um, we are not anarchists. And, 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 and many people would rule us out as being rabble-rousers, revolutionaries, or some flavor of Christian they've never heard of because we're actually talking back. And, uh, and they're going to shout Romans 13 or 1 Peter 5 or whatever. And I think uh, in, in, as we begin to wind down this episode, want to refer people to... Uh, and I hate to put all this on Bojadar because he's already carrying a lot of baggage, you know, because he, he says a lot of things that are unpopular, but that we as Americans need to hear and we as Christians need to hear. So I, I hate to put one more brick on his stack, but you need to listen to what to Bojadar Marinoff's uh, uh, the four series and the question answer series at the Liberty at the Freedom Conference 2016. Uh, that's posted on reconstructionistradio.com it was uh it was in and and he was not talking to a bunch of sophisticated theologians and 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 rush Dunyites. he was talking to a bunch of tea party republicans ranchers and farmers and small town citizens and um he 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 goes through develops his argument that that what we are living under today is an idolatrous statist system uh where Government has set itself up uh, to be a virtual God, as Rush, Rush Dooney said, that uh, 
whatever the source of a of a nation's law, that is its God. And uh, we have a a a uh, in, in in a crisscross pattern. We have a patchwork of government entities, whether it be we're talking about EPA, BLM, TSA, um, CIA, NSA, you know, IRS, illegitimate government agencies. In fact, I would say. You know, what part of government has not basically become illegitimate at this point? Civil government, I should say. And and, and, the, and, the, and the problem is, is that in many cases, the religious establishment in, in true Revelation 13 pattern is giving strength to this beast. They're acting as the, the high priest that's blessing the abuse that we're, that are being dealt out by civil authorities, so-called. So um, we could talk about this uh, over a couple of beers, and we could talk about this for a long, long time, and we would never, ever get to it. Again, the question is, um, what is the proper response? You know, as a person who is generally heavily armed and well-trained and highly motivated, I know for myself, and I've rehearsed this scenario countless times in my mind, you know, if a cop, you know, draws down on me my training tells me if his weapon is out of his holster and pointed at me he aims to kill me because if my weapon was out of my holster pointed at him that that would be my intent that's the only time you pull a gun is when you intend to destroy whatever you're pointing it at and and i've had to address many times and sent you know emails to police chiefs if you one of your officers ever threatens me or my boy ruger my 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 traveling companion I open fire, and I know that when that happens, my life will come to an end, my life here on this planet. And somebody said, well, that's a, that's, you know, why? Because of the Sixth Commandment. And if you're not familiar with the positive requirements of the Sixth Commandment, you need to get familiar with it. And I'm not talking to Jerry. I'm talking to our, our crowd, and she can chime in, say amen, or whatever she wants to do, uh, which... Um, hopefully we're going to get a chance to visit with you and get you up to speed, Jerry Lynn, on your uh, God-given responsibility to protect life and uh, the tools and the skills to do that. In the meantime, then, we're all beating on the same drum that the same pietistic, apathetic, antinomian um, spirit that has got a stranglehold on the on the on the Laodicean church in America that that is allowing this statism this police brutality to continue is the same one that is responsible for the proliferation and the maintenance of child sacrifice for 44 years and uh the theft of taxation and 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 many other abuses and they all basically go back to the law of God and uh whether or not civil authorities are responsible to that law and who is to hold them and how do we hold them accountable to it how do we dismantle this beast uh it's 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 hard to imagine it it ever coming to an end on its own Uh, jerry lynn ward um your facebook is jerry lynn ward and 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 that's probably the best way for people to interact with you and um, um, 
I appreciate you for for joining us. I don't know that we've done any of the things that we would set out to do. We're 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 distraught, we're disturbed, we're upset, uh, and we pray that God would begin to awaken His people. And as you listen, and as you reach out to your friends and post these episodes of police brutality and injustice, other people are doing it on a nonstop basis regarding the the abortion holocaust that we're that we're that we're living through, and you know, blood and injustice is what defiles our land, and it's not just the blood of abortion; it is the blood of police shootings, it is the it, it is the uh, blood of uh, 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 in, uh, that results from injustice in the courts, calling good evil and evil good where there is no justice. Um, I, I encourage you to listen to a good friend of Jerry Lynn's and mine, John Weaver, on Sermon Audio, uh, dealing with uh, tyranny and, and what it is and what our response must be. <clears throat> Jerry Lynn, we'll, we'll have other conversations, my friend. I thank you for for taking a little time at the end of your busy week to uh, meet with us here uh, on The War Room. Well, thank you for having me. All right, folks. We're going to let Jerry Lynn go, and it's happy hour, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's, that's pretty much it, folks. And we will have Jerry Lynn back, and we're going to continue this. Again, we want to basically... Uh, refer you to uh, Reconstructionist Radio, our Axe to the Root podcast, the episodes of Hellraiser Report with Scott uh, Allen Buss, Christendom Restored, um, the the, uh, audiobook sections where many of these discussions. Folks, this is the time and this is the issue of the day because, uh, in, in fact, I would even dare say that if we actually were in a society where real liberty and justice existed for all we wouldn't recognize it we would scarce know how to act we become so accustomed to our chains and so uh again we thank jerry and we thank you for joining us with uh with us here on the war room thank you for joining us in the war room please enjoy the nation's rage psalm 2 by my soul among lions The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit 
reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.